from the apocalypse wake up mutt nick you're dreaming again this is state of the game i am dano commonly referred to as the jerry bus of free music empire um and i'm joined as i am every week by my kareem abdul jabbar right we're talking about someone who stabbed a stranger in the neck for making fun of the song beach chair k diggy Thank you for being here, being a defender of the arts. Are you muted, sir? Are you muted, or what's going on? It's called silent but deadly. Silent but deadly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, turn turn up the volume on, on that. Okay. See. All right. All right. Good deal. So, and we are joined here. We're talking about someone who cut the black album down to ten songs. Voted to keep justify my thug. Ooh. Yep, yep. Bring the, the smoke. Will. Bring the smoke. Bring the smoke. <laughs> I'm ready for it. The iron will of of Sean Kantrowitz. We're talking about someone with like the consummate host, an iron library of knowledge research. What a, a truly someone K I've wanted on the show for a while. I was just mm. waiting for the right time. Mm. Right top. Well, pleasure to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, ready to talk about. Today. It seems like I, my, my brain is so wired to just associate Zoom with uh, talking about rap minutiae now. Like I, I know that Zoom probably means a lot of things to a lot of people over the past two years. But when I see that background, when, when I load up that app, I'm like, I'm most likely about to talk about some hip hop shit. So uh, you know, let's get into that. <laughs> It's real. I, I've been on some family Zooms and it is an adjustment. Like I have to like sit in the background and let other people talk and stuff. I'm just like, oh no, this is not, we're not covering the new release. So, so. You're more into the rock La Familia than rocking with the family is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. Change the game. So I would say, yeah, Kantrowitz has been unbelievable. If, if anybody hasn't seen the questions, hip-hop trivia i you are next on my list either one or one a or one b for the next patreon i'm going to subscribe to ah. it's, it's you and mike eagle you're next from i'm i'm subscribing to everybody i don't i don't know <laughs> Well, I appreciate that support. Uh, yeah, and for anybody who who does want to join, you can go to patreon.com slash questions hip hop. Uh, lots of bonus content that I offer over there, things that don't make it into the episodes, uh, more sort of like in-depth discussions with people, early access, all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, if we appreciate, I appreciate your, uh, your pledge, if you will, your commitment, and uh, we'll be welcoming you with open arms when, when, you, when you come. <laughs> Yep, when the money's right. So I was like, yeah, the, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's great. And I remember K, the Kantrowitz, I was introduced to Kantrowitz with this beautiful call out culture episode about Common. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean thought he was going to celebrate Common 
And we've been on call out country. We know. <laughs> we know how it gets. I right. should have known. I don't know what I was thinking. I just sort of, you know, because I've listened to Call Out Culture before, too. Right, so I, right. I know generally how they roll. But I thought, OK, this is like if they're going to dedicate an episode to this man. They're probably going to equally sing his praises as well as be critical. And man, I came in there, you know, I, I thought it was beaming into, you know, more of a civil discussion. I like beamed into a fist fight. I was I was getting yeah. jabbed. That's right. <laughs> I think I think Call Out Culture is my favorite because it reminds me of being in the neighborhood, you know? It reminds me of these, like, yelling fights we had about albums <laughs> that people were never going to meet, you know? Um, and it's... <laughs> and I've lived up to that. Uh, shout out to you for maintaining your personal level of professionalism throughout. Uh, but you you also, uh, Kay, Sean Cantorowitz is a booking god. Like, they, if you pull up the questions and see the guests he's had... Like he's interviewed Del the Funky Homo Sapien. He's inter interviewed incredible people, um, <clears throat> and and it's been it's been awesome. So how has there ever been? Because and the format. Let me see the format. You ask questions, you research the questions, but you let it breathe in between the questions. There's natural conversation between the questions. Has there been natural conversation between the questions where you just? Learn something about an artist you did not even think you would know before that sticks in your brain you'll never forget. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that for the most part, uh, that happens in every episode. You know, I, I, I'm really into very, you know, casual conversations when it comes to interviews. And that's how I treat most interviews, you know. It's funny that because through the questions format itself, I do have to actually write and prepare questions because it's a literal trivia question game. But for the most part, you know, my interview stees is very much I don't write questions down. I really I sort of have like an outline of what I want to ask and know about, but I'm really much more interested in having sort of an off the cuff uh, sort of exchange. But when it comes to like any tidbits that stand out, I mean, you mentioned like the Dell one. I didn't know that Dell was so, had such a background in graphic design. I sort of knew that he was uh, about that, but to learn that he designed the Hyro logo and that he, you know, studied like design and was even actually planning to do that before the music took off, that was really cool. Another one that like sticks out of my head is we had J-Row from the Alcoholics and he revealed that he was not drunk when he recorded the song only when i'm drunk um and then, like, <laughs> that all of like the burping and like sort of the the drunk mannerisms that he had was completely acted so i thought that that was really cool it's i'm there are probably countless others that have had over 100 guests on the show it's kind of hard for me yeah. to catalog but uh it's there, there's i'm delighted to learn about these stories and kind of get things out of these artists uh, to give them a platform to talk about things that maybe they haven't talked about before as well. That's awesome. No, it's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think, um, and, and, and Kay, then he brought in, so the questions is enough. The questions is fabulous. Um, uh, and he, then Midas the Beast comes to you with an idea. Uh, how did that come about? What was the idea? Talk to us about the Genesis. Yeah. So, I mean, Midas is one of my best friends. That's like my brother. We've known each other for, for many, many years. Um, 
And so uh, he had this idea called making Illmatic that he had done on his Twitch a little bit. I think he'd done it maybe once or twice um, where he had this idea about a show concept where basically making Illmatic being taking an album that is good, but perhaps is a little long and trying to trim it down to 10 tracks a la Nas's Illmatic and seeing if trimming it to 10 tracks improves or hurts the album overall. And he had told me about it. I said, that is a great idea. I love it. That's like one of those that I wish that I had thought of. And I basically just said to him like, yo, if you want to find a home for this, if you want to do it in the world of the questions, I'd be more than happy. You know, I I told him like, you can just do it and I'll put it up on the questions because I just think it's great. And then he and I sort of started brainstorming about it more. And um, I got a little bit more hands on and sort of producing it and uh, putting it together. So yeah, basically the concept is every time that we do it, uh, you know, on the questions podcast, it's a making Illmatic episode. It's Midas, myself, and a third special guest picking an album and seeing if we can trim it down to 10 songs. And if doing so helps the album or hurts the album. And we've done, you know, albums like Big Pun's Capital Punishment, Jay-Z's The Black Album, uh, Wu-Tang Forever, which was a Herculean task because that's such a long fucking album. Um, We did LP's Fantastic Damage. uh, And it's really been cool to, uh, we've gotten a lot of good responses because it's something that definitely perks people's interest and also gets under their skin when they're like, oh, I can't believe you cut this song or, yeah, or, yeah. or why would you keep that song? So, you know, it's, it, it's kind of an extension of, you know, the, all of the casual hip hop conversations that, you know, we've had and putting it in front of a microphone and recording it. I, I was so mad when I heard about it, Kay, I was like, I should be on every episode of this. I was like, <laughs> and I, I think my first, my response was call me when you do see murder life or death. Like, <laughs> That's like twenty six songs. That would be that's 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 a real session. Cutting that one. Yeah, we'll have you on. We'll we'll have to have you guys on eventually. Oh, uh, but yeah, so it's have you have you did you check any of it out, Kay? Did you get a chance? No, I, I didn't get a chance to, but I like the concept. No, it's it's great. And so what like what what people don't understand? It's a nifty idea. But the show in practicality is combat. It is war. Like it really does become a war of these different opinions. What what was the biggest like the hullabaloo? Like what was the what was when you were like, this is getting wild? Like this is awesome. <laughs> um I think doing uh, we had some funny moments like doing Red Man's Muddy Waters with uh, oh, our friend right. Zarism. Uh, and you know, we, we definitely were getting at each other's necks over some things. I thought that it was, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything because I I think part of the fun, if you're listening to the episodes is just sort of uncovering it, but there were definitely some songs where I was like, I cannot believe I'm getting outvoted on this. I cannot believe that you are, you're keeping this, (laughs) this track on here. And that's, that's usually the formula and component of what makes a great episode. And we sort of have that on every episode that we've done. So, you know, it's, you you get people who feel really passionate about this stuff and there's bound to be some feelings that sort of swell uh, over over things that get overlooked or things that make the cut, you know? And the real, the the wrecking, the entire wrecking crew on the LP one, that was, I'm so happy, proud of you that you, that everyone survived that. That was like a lot. (laughs) 
happening. Right. Uh, well, I told, I told them beforehand, I was like, hey, listen, I've listened to Call Out Culture. I know how y'all get down. Like, you need to uniformly come to a conclusion on the Wrecking Crew side of things before we do the Zoom. Because what I'm not going to have is, you know, six of us just screaming at each other uh, for, for two hours. Like, did, you know, much respect yep. to the screaming format that some podcasts yeah. have. But I like to keep things a little bit more contained. So I was like, let's let's get our ducks in a row, at least on the I Wrecking Crew side. And then we'll, we'll yep. divvy it up. Yeah. Love it. No, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah. No, it's it's great, and I think uh, people should definitely check it out. We we brought you here. I wanted you are uh, very funny, very honest, very knowledgeable, and and very above board. I wanted someone very above board for this. We didn't want to take shots, right? This is Jay Z misconceptions, right? Um, the breakdown this week kind of explains it that Jay Z's mythology has been steeped jay-z's career has been steeped in mythology right um <laughs> uh, i was just, i was thinking about the other day i was like imaginary player was on his second album like imaginary player where he's like embarrassing someone in traffic about how good his car is that's like right after his debut like he was just <clears throat> filthy rich right off the bat and like mythic right off the bat you know, uh, and that caused now he's also had this incredibly long career, right? Which means there's all these different generations of Jay Z fans who perceive him entirely different. Yeah, he's absolutely. probably had the longest hip hop career, maybe Snoop, but Snoop, I would say his, I'm, I'm not gonna say his music isn't relevant, but not in the same way as Jay-Z's music has been consistently relevant uh, for the past couple of years. Like, he's he's had the longest career in hip-hop. I was thinking LL, maybe. LL's definitely in that, right? He starts when he's 16 in, like, 85, 86, something like that? Okay. So, Nas. I mean, Nas, Nas predates, uh, predates Nas Jay. Predates Jay. And yeah. I would say Nas still is relevant in a way that, yeah. like, to your to your point that, yeah, like, Snoop is still a figure. But, like, quick, gun to your head, name the last three Snoop albums. Like, right, right. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. You, you can't do it. Jay-Z, I think, is sort of more in that conversation, as is Nas. Uh, yep. You know, if, if LL drops this uh, anticipated collaborative album with Q-Tip, whenever that's coming out, then oh, I think wow. that's going to... I think that will definitely cement it, but you know, uh, yeah, I don't know if the later LL stuff necessarily holds the same place as, uh, you know, Jay's catalog. No, but I think, and I think Busta Rhymes deserves a little bit of a nod here, a yeah. tip of the hat, right? From leaders of the new school and scenario all the way through. Yeah, the heck of a, the heck of a run, the heck of a career. Um, so, but yeah, no, Jay's had an incredibly long career. What were you saying, uh, Sean, I think about the, the length of the career and the mythology and the history and all that? I think I thought I cut you off. Somebody cut you off. Uh, no, I, I didn't think so. But yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, he's definitely, you know, had an interesting long uh, arc. And yeah, you had mentioned that there's lots of different fans, uh, depending on when you got on and when you got off the J train. So, you know, that's <laughs> also something that makes him interesting to talk about. Yep. So I brought some misconceptions to the table. 
and like uh, I I didn't try and put them in order, but I think my subconscious kind of did. Um, uh, and so the 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 top the place I have to start because like Jay is a rise and grind icon, right? Uh, in that before sense. you start, Go define ahead. like what you mean by misconceptions. Uh. A, a narrative that has taken shape that I think is false. Okay. A narrative yeah. about Jay that has taken shape over time that I think is patently false. Mm. All right, let's let's hear it. I'm I'm interested. I want to see what yeah. you got. Number one, right? And this is like the what I would fight for the hardest, which is they when people say the most important thing about Jay Z is he's an incredible businessman, right? Like he's he he's a billionaire. It's amazing. He's a billionaire. That's great, but nothing Jay does in business will ever be as important as his art. Hmm. Art is more important, you know. Um, I get it. I get it that it's important, and that his like kind of, you know, from memorizing his lines on the block to the boardroom is great, and it's a successful story. But the way his art has impacted the world is more important. His art is more important. That's my first. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Kay. Because what I'm thinking is, I would say musically, it's not impactful. As, as impactful, like his art is impactful. But I look at it as... Like, if you step outside of the music world, I think Jay-Z's blueprint is used mostly, like, if you look at a lot of, like, the one I'm thinking of, like, LeBron James, like, the sports world. Like, LeBron James obviously got his blueprint from Jay-Z. I think that's fair. So, and so I think Jay-Z's business influence is spread outside of the music world and has has taken a huge impact in terms of how like these this generation of athletes conduct themselves business wise. Yeah. So I I think actually there's a third component that trumps both of these things that we're both you guys are both kind of touching on. I think that there's Jay's music. I think there's Jay's business acumen, but I think that the most important component to Jay and the thing that's at the top of the mountain for him is Jay-Z's branding. And Jay-Z, this kind of encapsulates both of the things that you discussed. I think that Jay does make great art. And I think that Jay has also done some really smart and uh, shrewd and uh, very uh, fruitful business moves. But I think that the, look, we've been talking about misconceptions about Jay-Z, and this is all about the mythology of his career. This is not a mythology that was implemented onto him by an outside force. Jay right. has been mythological, like he, he's been creating the myth about himself from the jump. And I think that that is truly the most impactful thing because it sort of ties into the other two components that we're talking about. He, he's got the art to back it up. He's been mm -hmm. able to do things outside of the scope of just music so that he doesn't get, you know, uh, uh, relegated to, you know, just, oh, he's an artist, you know, he, yeah. but I, I think throughout it all, he's been very smart about uh, maintaining and protecting his brand, um, mm -hmm. which 
I don't know how we're, we're segueing here, but that, that leads me to my uh, misconception that I wanted to start with, Let's do it. Which, which is the misconception that Reasonable Doubt was a heralded classic when it dropped. Ooh. And when it dropped, okay. And listen, Reasonable Doubt is not a bad album. Reasonable Doubt is a great album. Right but Reasonable Doubt was not held as one of the classics when it uh, debuted in 1996. And mm -hmm. I think that this is, again, really, you know, a testament to Jay's self-mythologizing, uh, mythologizing, yeah, uh, we'll say his, his, his branding is just right. uh, that he was able to sort of impact it onto everybody, like, classic should have went triple you know j j the first album like you know mc's arguing about who's the greatest you know big j or nas like he very much hammered in these points to a point that i think like again i'm not saying that he's not worthy of the praise but that he definitely played a a, a smart hand in uh you know in putting himself in the echelon uh, in the conversation the branding kind of felt like propaganda at a point right where it was like when you when i would talk to people and they'd be like jay-z's the best rapper of all time were just telling me his lyrics telling everybody that he was the best and i was like this isn't an objective argument you're just giving me what he told you uh, and you're right because when he puts out reasonable dot 96 95 is like an incredible year right it's it's you know, uh, only built for Cuban links and, uh, you know, lots of, you know, I think what Black Moon and just everything, right? Dropping in 95. Yep. And so growing up in, in 96, we thought it was cool, but we weren't checking for that, right? Like Pac was going like six times platinum, you know, uh, calling people names directly. And <laughs> we just weren't, in, we just weren't that excited about reasonable doubt i mean absolutely i mean think about i mean 96 was one of the loaded years that we you know we've ever had i mean in hip-hop and outcast at let at aliens was released tribe called quest was released nwa greatest hits de la soul stakes is high um so you had all of these different hip-hop avenues and all of them are excellent in their own regards yeah. so yeah i had this on my list of misconceptions i had it titled an icon from the start uh and you know i said illmatic was a tidal wave in hip-hop but reasonable doubt wasn't um and i think that's not a knock on jay the frustrating part is that's what's so cool about you is that he he had to struggle to find his footing amongst all these super important people mm -hmm. and then yeah, and that's a lot of artists never get to do. right so Kay, do you have uh, any misconceptions to put on the board no i mean i think those two i think those two really tie tie together i i, I think particularly the branding like i think jay-z did from this from the gate he had a business perception or perspective regarding his his art and his his persona that he wanted to create 
And yeah. I, I think he, he adapted, like, I think he started and he adapted it and tweaked it and changed it as he moved forward. Right. Yeah. No, I, and my next one is, uh, the, and it goes along with what we were talking about, that reasonable doubt kind of getting overblown. The opposite side of this, the myth is that his legacy is his classics, right? The the truth is, for me, non-classic Jay is way more interesting and important to learn from. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I told you about this, Kate, years ago. Years ago, I decided Jay-Z is important enough as an artist all time. I need to buy his bad albums and study them. Like, if you if you really think someone's one of the best of all time, you should get their what you think is their weakest links and study them mm-hmm. and try and learn from them. And I, I did it. It was incredible. It was incredible to to hear these things because Jay, you remember Jay saying on the song, I will not lose, and he does not, but he fails. He fails mm-hmm. all the time. And listening to him fail is incredible uh, because he finds a way not to lose even when he fails. Like he, give me an example. He regrets. Okay. He's always said he regrets decisions he made on Volume One, Estat Carter Volume One. He always says that that's very close to one of his best albums. It just he just bought in a little bit on what was going on at the time. And I was re-listening to Estat Carter Volume One, and boy, after a million and one questions, which is the intro, which is amazing, one of my favorites. The next two songs are awful. Awful. <laughs> I know what girls like. It's terrible. I never want to hear it again. Uh, it, it's all the, those songs are missteps. They're they're jiggy era like nods, you know. Um, and yeah, he 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 messed that up. And it's 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 good to make those mistakes early on. You know that, that I think that also is sort of to his benefit that. He was able to make those missteps relatively early in his career and, you know, sort of sidestep away from them. Because, yeah, like he did it. But honestly, a lot of people did that around that time. That, you know, there were, there were a few artists who didn't sort of curb their uh, artistic uh, you know, tendencies towards what was the prevailing sound at the time, the bad boy sound, the, you know, super jiggy era mm-hmm. sound. So, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, it, it it's also it's it's not about like failing. It's about how do you respond to the failure? And for him, it's like kind of recovered quite well, pretty seamlessly from that. He he, didn't really serve to be much of a blemish on his career, uh, which again, probably is also attributed to the fact that he's really good at branding. So, you know, when, when companies and, and brands, you know, make a misstep or they do something wrong, they're really good at sweeping that under the rug and continuing to push forward with what they want you to focus on. So why why would you consider it to be a failure? I, I was I was gonna ask you, Kay, like when's the last Jay-Z album that you knew was messy but you loved listening to it anyway? You know, I I recently went went back to Magna Carta. Is it Magna Carta Holy Grail? Ooh, I love Magna Carta Holy Grail. When I like when I first initially heard it, I think it came out maybe 2012, 2013. Uh, like there were, I mean, there were some like solid songs, but I was like, uh, this is a little bit too messy for me. And I didn't, I didn't go back to it for 
I mean, it's been about nine nine years now, ten years. I saw a, a couple of weeks ago. I listened to it in whole for the first time in like almost a decade. And it's like I I was a little bit harder on this album than I thought I sh I should have been. Hmm. And I mean, that's that I I thought it was, you know, when I when I first heard, I thought he was like he was trying too hard. But then when I as I gave it time and let it breathe, I was like, OK, like. This this album's all right. This album's pretty solid. Yeah, no, it, it the thing about Magna Carta that makes it so special and interesting to listen to. And I would I would endorse people to listen to it from this perspective. It is the last time Jay-Z made an album with punk ass energy just like annoying making fun of you energy like tom <laughs> ford and shit like, like picasso like, baby yeah yeah he's just like he's trying to frustrate you with how rich he is he's trying to annoy you you know like you don't you don't get that anymore 444 jay-z is like let me calmly walk you through this business <laughs> you know um and I love that. I love the punk ass energy of, of Magna Carta. I love it. Um, I love how messy Blueprint Three is. That it's like everything from his iPod just exploded into that. The album cover almost looks like a representation of that. Like it's got the all white sort of like the iPod uh, branding, and yeah, it's all this stuff coming out of it. I, I never thought of that that way, but that that's what that made me think of. What did, Sean, do you have a, a a J album that was especially messy, but you come back to it and, and it's interesting to you? And uh, do you have any of those? I mean, no, I would say that I don't. I think that for me, there's J that I like and there's J that I don't like and there's J that I really don't like. And I only go back to the J that I like. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily, uh, my relationship with him as a listener to his music doesn't require me to revisit and try to salvage from what I think didn't meet my expectations. I'm just like, this is what I like. And, you know, there, there's chapters in this book that I might skip or, you know, recommend that people just kind of skim through, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm not like, perusing through the R. Kelly collaboration albums to like, you know, try to find these, these salvageable uh, moments in there. That's just like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a completist uh, when it comes to my listening uh, relationship with Jay. That's fair. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the Jay is someone who has consistently experimented, right? Done weird stuff. And so like, I think you can gain more from listening to like, how weird kingdom come is than listening to blueprint for the 800th time you know uh that's yeah, that's fair yeah yeah that's a fair point so the uh yeah do you have do you have any other misconceptions sean or do you want to no I, I i i think you should take the wheel on this i feel like you've got a, a good solid list here i'm ready so oh man this next one is really close to my heart and the, I have to warn, there is a conspiracy theorist in me, right? Uh, so I, I, I will say I followed this story when it happened, and I have a lot of thoughts on it. There is a narrative that took shape that Jay-Z was mean to Dame Dash, which I think is a myth. And I think it is because Dame Dash did a lot of interviews about this. 
and expressed his side of the story in detail. And Jay did not. Uh, I only gave him a couple throwaway lines and, right, you know, right. half a bar. Make a new Jay. Yeah, that kind of thing. But, like, in reality, let, let's paint the picture before before Jay shuffles Dame out, right? The picture is this. Jay-Z's announced his retirement for Black Album. He's going to go, right? He means it this time, you know? He said he's going to retire after every album. This time it's really happening. There's a documentary about it. We're doing it, right? Except it didn't really happen. But It didn't really happen. (laughs) Imagine if it did, though. At the time, people kind of thought it was, right? And Dame had Kanye on deck. Kanye was his guy, right? Mm -hmm. He also had Dipset locked in at the height of their powers, right? With just Blaze and Bink and everybody in the fold. So, and state property. So, Dame was loaded and thinking, go ahead and retire. We got the next generation. Right? And what he didn't know was that Jay-Z was, you know, was was making deals with the people that he was yelling at uh, to, to take over. Now, Dame has said, hey, why are you getting cuddly with the people I'm yelling at? Which I think is is a logical fallacy in the sense of, you want me to just yell at everybody you yell at? Because I don't think I can keep that up. Um, he, you know, so that's, they were in a chess game with each other at that point. Jay-Z won the chess game, but no one was mean to anybody. That's just, it's it, it was what it was. I, I agree. I mean, I, I what's the quote? I, Power is rarely given. It's got to be taken. Uh, and so I, I think Jay-Z, has all, he's always been strategic. So he knew he's had a plan for his career. And he's had things business-wise that he know that he's, or he's had goals business-wise that he's wanted to achieve. And so he did the things that he needed to do to achieve. Uh, complete his goals i hear you no it's yeah does this make any sense to you sean are you are you ambivalent no it totally makes sense i don't think that you can really be mean when it comes to business unfortunately which is why it's an inherent risk of doing business with your friends and um you know, people that there's emotional connection to jay-z's a billionaire you know a billionaire exists in a capitalistic society capitalism only works when people win people can't win unless other people lose these are like really you know like larger broader strokes here um you know i think that it's unfortunate to watch these concepts play out amongst uh two men who obviously came up together and and had a closer bond i remember there's like there's a popular meme or a video it's like backstage at at some uh at some concert and it's like dame and like everybody else is just like like totally wiling out and like screaming and like the the camera pans over to jay and jay just looks like he is over it he is over it and you know that that's that's a truth too that the people that you come into something with uh you know life is about growth relationships change people change and it's not always going to be realistic to think that everybody's going to continue on the same path and the same trajectory so you know it's 
it, 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 I think it just is what it is. But yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't think that he was mean, you know, I, maybe there could have been better communication, but this right. is me speaking on things that I, you know, I don't truly have an yeah. inside track about it. Only they really know how it went down. So the, yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely an element of that. I'm glad you mentioned, I would say there's also a sense that Jay's on a mission, right? And by the time this happens, Dame has already watched Jay step away from Fox, right? And just be like, whatever, do your thing. Like, if you're not on the same path, Jay is, Jay's moving to the next, you know, like he's not, yeah. not worried about it. Jay doesn't have any liability. He doesn't have any liabilities around him. Uh, I mean, and that's, that's by design. Right. And you that's know, why when the judge, asked like jay will you be responsible for beanie siegel he said no mm -hmm. and beanie understood too like i i, I read a, I saw an interview where beanie's like yeah i mean i i get it yep yep yeah and and so i mean i i think you know when you want i i when you want autonomy and you want uh power you've got to be able to you have to have true to have true power. You can't be held. What's the word? You can't have any strings attached to you. You know what I mean? So I think Jay went about. You know, after he retired, what did he? When did Black Album come out? Like maybe oh, two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand three. Yeah. So yep. two thousand four, two thousand five. He went about gaining autonomy and gaining control over his brand and his career and, and his music as well. Yep. Yeah. He wanted to, to grow uh, as, as a business person and didn't feel like he could do it if he was just the talent, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I think that's fair. This, this next, this next one is we're going to get, uh, it's going to get interesting here <laughs> because there's like, there is a subset of people who are like, Jay deserves more credit, right? He deserves more credit for for what he's done, right? People are always taking undue shots, right? Uh, when he does like songs like Keys, Keys, Keys or whatever, you know? Um, the problem with that is that you it's hard for me to give to say he deserves more credit when part of his talent is his eye for talent, right? Young Guru's one of the best mixing engineers ever, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he gathered a team that was, like, the best at what they did, right? That stable of producers is it's pretty incredible that they had during that, like, Rock with Familia time frame. Uh, yeah. Who is saying that Jay-Z doesn't get enough credit? Who's, who's there, saying this? There are definitely there are definitely people <laughs> out there who are like, and I've, I've talked I, to them because... What I because I will, you know, I was thinking about the difference between like, you know, uh, reasonable doubt and Operation Doomsday, right? Like, Operation Doomsday, MF Doom is producing this himself, he's mm -hmm. rapping himself, uh, he's dropped from the label, he's he's just kind of doing this himself, uh, and it's beautiful. Uh, Jay had an elite team with him at all times, so you have to give that team credit. You can't give him all the credit. He can't be doing everything, 
you know. Uh, I call this would this would be Sean. This would be the Tom Brady misconception, right? My old joke about the Patriots was that Patriots fans watch the game and go, "Tom Brady made such a good catch from Tom Brady," you know, <laughs> like oh, Tom Brady did such a good job blocking for Tom Brady. Like, there's Tom Brady's all over the field, uh, and I think that's how some Jay Z fans became at a certain point. Hmm. That I mean, I mean that's that that's a fair point, but I mean I do think that there is something. There's a reason why Tom Brady can get on the phone and convince Julio Jones to sign with the Buccaneers, or you know convince Gronkowski to come out of retirement, right. uh, or, or even you know rein in Antonio Brown for a couple of games half right. a season. You know, and I think that Jay has that he has that that ability in the way that, you know, his rival, I guess his main rival now would be Nas. Right, right. So he has a way to wrangle talent and uh, you know, shape talent in a way that his rival Nas didn't. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Jay's, Jay's a star and stars exist within a constellation of many other, you know, pieces and, and components to the picture. And Jay is exceptionally good at, at doing that and aligning himself with the right people. Mm -hmm. And and I will say, Kay, from, uh, to, put it, to put it out there, every time Jay and Nas do a song together, host their beef, it definitely feels like war. Like it, for Black Republicans... To success, it feels Ooh. like they're they're just Nas wants to murder him. Yeah, I mean that the, you they they found like a peaceful coexistence, but you know when things are said, people don't forget things that are, are you know are said. That's always going to be lingering in you know in the background. Yeah, and they know that like very few people are in the class that they're in. Right, sure. so they're like, yeah, they're ready for that when that happens. It's, it's interesting. So yeah, the next one, I have to call myself out. This is, I was saying this shit, and Jay recently responded to this, it's like, uh, on the Pusha T guest verse, right? He said, if Big had lived, y'all would have gotten the commission. Right. And it was aimed at this myth that Jay only got as big as he got because, you know, there was like a, the loss of Biggie and the loss of Pac and just the death of these kind of kingdoms. Right. And it allowed for his come up. Uh, I was singing this song a lot uh, back in the day. And I think. I think the opposite is probably true now that I'm looking at it from a fair aspect. Uh, just to say, we, we already talked about Reasonable Doubt comes out. It's The market is flooded. Jay's not a big deal at the time, right? Uh, if Jay dropped Reasonable Doubt in 92 or 93, right? It probably does better. It probably has a bigger audience. 
right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's difficult. It's it's all conjecture because we don't really know what would have happened. Um, you know, there's also a lot of speculation, that, and I feel like this was always sort of obvious, but maybe now it's less controversial to say now that we're like 25 years removed from it. But like, big may, maybe maybe Notorious B.I.G. would not have been held in such high regard had he lived to have a wider output, which might have had work that didn't necessarily match the uh, quality of the albums that came before. So it's it, it's yeah. difficult to say, but I guess the reason why it's something that uh, comes up so often is that, yes, obviously a big dying uh, cleared space in the New York uh, infrastructure, in the landscape for somebody to sort of maybe have more of that ascent and that's why we started having these conversations about who is the real king of new york after after big but yeah i mean i don't know like it's i i don't think it's impossible to say it's all opinion based there's no way that anybody could really right. say how it would have turned out i do think that jay benefited from the fact that yes there was now you know sort of all eyes were were on who's gonna sort of assume the throne um but also, I don't think that it's fair to somebody who's obviously done very well and like, you know, he's far surpassed that moment in time. You know, it just feels disingenuous for people to say, yeah, well, you know, you wouldn't have made your your 10th smash album if, if Big was still here. It's like, that's kind of, <laughs> it's hard to get behind that. So yeah, I, I get that. That seems petty right on the face of it, you know? Uh, I would, but, and yet, what my case here is that from 1996 to 2000, is an incredibly difficult time to be very successful in a pop in the pop rap sphere. Yeah. Because when and I remember being very concerned when Pac and Biggie died because there was a backlash against rap and the violence in rap, right? There was a mm-hmm. backlash against a lot of the most popular stuff after those two pass is like Shania Twain. It's just, it's just people people were like Get me away from this violence. Right. And uh, it was a hard time for rap. And mm-hmm. the fact that Jay was able to formulate his narratives, even money cash hoes of like, you know, New York ain't been the same since Snoop kicked down the buildings. Like he was able to take that and reshape it and, and make it work. And those were difficult times. Difficult times. <laughs> Even when New York struggled as a whole, Jay did not. Like, um, you have to give him credit on that. No, I mean, because I, I, I think, I think Jay had. Well, two things. One, I mean, the same argument could be made for Puff Daddy, and I'm sure it is. Uh, but I think uh, Jay had pop sensibilities that Biggie didn't have. Necessary, like I, I mean, yes, I know Biggie did Juicy, but I, I think of a song like the song that really broke Jay Z was, uh, in my opinion, the first Jay Z song I heard was obviously Hard Knock Life. Yeah, and I do, do I think that Biggie could do a song like Hard Knock Life? Mm, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think the counter argument to that, Kay, is the song Hypnotize. If you listen to Hypnotize, mm-hmm. not only catchy as hell, yeah. but, if you, but if you check the patterns going on in that, it's very high level, right? It's very high level work, but it's catchy as fuck. I think Biggie could have done it, 
But the problem is Biggie didn't want to do it the way Diddy wanted to do it. I really believe. So I think there would have been a divide there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, yeah. do you think Biggie would have like if Biggie was still alive, would he have just continued down the path that Jay um that Puffy Puffy at the time, yes, Puffy was traveling. I think he would have broken away from Puffy. Um, I, but I, I also think there's a little bit of a weird Kurt Cobain divide with Biggie that you hit on a little bit. Kurt Cobain was great at catchy music, but hated that he was great at catchy music. Mm. And I think that is a little bit with Biggie. Biggie would have rather gone hard and done grotesque stuff. Like the if the Flatbush Zombies, K, who do a lot of like scary ass New York shit, Michi Darko said like Biggie's his biggest influence because Biggie used to say the most horrifying shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not wrong. Like that yeah. is an aspect of Biggie. But he would have had to live in both spaces. And I I would have liked to see how that balance worked or if it ever took place. Mm. How do you feel about that, Sean? Is that is that track on? Oh, you're muted. You're muted. Yeah, I think that it's impossible to say. It's really all conjecture because we don't know what it would have happened. But yeah, it certainly seemed like Big would have maybe tried to distance himself from the more commercial sound, but maybe he also would have totally leaned into it. And maybe he would have been able to do it just as great, or maybe because of the more higher profile uh background that he had compared to jay maybe he would have done it just as well as jay did it but people wouldn't have liked it as much coming from him because it would have been more of a sellout move like oh what is this guy doing what is the guy who did give me the loot you know doing this shit over the annie you know sample like, what, what the fuck is this so yeah, yeah it, it's hard to say but you know it it's that they, they are inextricably linked and intertwined in their stories, Jay, Jay and uh, and Big. And, uh, but I, I think that it's just sort of a fool's errand to try to play this like what if thing, because yep. it just, it just simply, there's, it's not reality and there's no way to really prove mm-hmm. it. Um, they're both very talented and, you know, there were obviously benefits uh that jay had through his association with big and through the space that was left after you know uh big was was murdered but it's yeah it's it's kind of like it's kind of like staring into a mirror like for too long you just start to like hypnotize yourself trying to like see something and it's yeah you're you're not gonna get it yeah no and and yeah sometimes alternate history is a fun game you play but the reality of the matter to to your point you cannot assume that Biggie would have done everything Jay did like after, you know, after big past, like you can't give him Jay's successes and say he would have done that. Like, right. uh, That's not something you can assume. Yep. So yeah. The other we always, we always, and I've teased this one, the last one, a little bit, which is like the the rise and grind icon thing. The key linchpin in this is that dinner with Jay Z would change your life. Mm. <laughs> uh, and and no, it would not. Jay Jay is on a mission to succeed, not to make you succeed. He will not stop his mission to help you. Not gonna happen. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to be like Jay-Z, you should do what Jay-Z would do. And Jay-Z would probably take the money versus, you know, at the stage in his career that he was at the point where like, oh, do I take this large sum or do I go to dinner with somebody who might impart these jewels of wisdom? Uh, My money is on the fact that Jay would probably take the money as he, you know, progresses in his career and he expands his worldview and he's trying to connect with more people Then I could see him. Okay. Well, like maybe there's more intrinsic value that I can get from just exchanging words and ideas and building a relationship with these people. But yeah, I mean, no, that, that, that was like the litmus test on twitter for me to be like do i respect you or do i respect you (laughs) if you're you're taking the dinner then i hope you enjoy your meal uh but you know i i i stand firmly on the take the money side of the debate yeah no it's it, it i think there's another part of this that's kind of annoying to me of like so you sit with jay he gives you these pearls of wisdom and all of a sudden you're like you're killing it. You got your own business and it's making money. And you're like, no, man, it's not the pithy, like gems of wisdom that make a business. It's a lot of it is work, right? It's work and decision-making. And like, you're going to have to do that. Jay can't do that for you at dinner. It's like, not magic powers. It's not like like he's going to like, his like scent is going to get on you. And then all of a sudden you will become Jay-Z. Like that's, it's, that's not how it works. It, yeah. No. I mean, I, I think Jay is, when you look at his career, like he, he is a big fan of collaboration in terms of working with, if we're thinking of Jay-Z as a brand, he's going to work with other brands that are going to, is going to help his brand expand. You know, whether it be like R. Kelly, he, I mean, I think it started with R. Kelly, the, the joint album with R. Kelly. Then he had the joint album with Linkin Park. Then he got married to Beyonce, which is probably his most fruitful collaboration yeah. uh, of his life. You know, then he started- Watch the throne, like, watch the throne as well. Yeah, watch, yeah watch, watch the throne after that. And then his latest one uh, with his wife, the Carters. Yeah. So he is really about marketing like he's got a brand or i i think he went on tour with justin timberlake as well a couple of years ago decades yeah, yeah, yeah. ago yep so yeah. he's really about he he really views himself as a brand as a business i've, I've got my band brand you've got your brand let's see how we can expand each other's markets yeah i mean i remember an interview on one of these like kind of ebro-ish new york shows right um and they were asking him like what oh he was talking about how there's this good there's a good bubbling underground scene they were like who are you listening to and jay paused and he said i'm not i can't say their names until they get to where they need to be (laughs) like he was so (laughs) conscious of like the effect his shout out would have on their natural progression that he was like no 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 i'm gonna wait until they get there and then I do the song. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hate that, but sure. <laughs> I, I hear you. I'm with you. I was like, wow, okay. But like, yeah, that guy's not going to like save your financial life at dinner. He's not going to do that. No. Do not yeah. take the dinner. No. You wouldn't even shout out Saigon. You know, what are you going to do? So, <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, where I'm at. 
Sean, do you have anything else to put on the board? I think I've had a good time. I have nothing else to put on the board, but I do have my pick for my action item uh, in terms of uh, what uh, I would want to remove. Are, are we are we saying into that. that now? Let's do that. Yeah. 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 So uh, I think that um, if we're talking about like a component of Jay's storyline that we would maybe uh, remove from history, if we could erase it, um, it's kind of a it's a tie. We've already addressed some of these things, but I would definitely remove the Lincoln Park and uh, R. Kelly collaboration albums. <laughs> these are things that make sense from again that branding business perspective of like, oh well, I'm a very popular rapper, so therefore it just makes sense in terms of like numbers that I should collaborate with the most popular R&B singer right now, or I should popular with, I should, I should, you know, pair up with this popular rock band. Um, these are great, like boardroom decisions. Mm-hmm. They're just musical output was not good. So the, the, those are the things that I would remove. Those are, are to me, blemishes. There, there are such blemishes that, that, the biggest J stands don't exalt these projects. They just pretend that they don't exist. And then if you're like really a J hater, if you have like that sort of salt in the wound um, uh, perspective, you're bringing those things up. Like how could he be the greatest? Look at right, this shit right, that right, he's right. put out. So yeah, that, I, I think that he would definitely benefit if we're, if we're, if we're making Illmatic to uh, Jay's career, uh, I would definitely trim that from his uh, top 10 moments. Okay, and I, I know that R. Kelly is the one people want to trim the most, but I would tell you, I remember getting like, because I, 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 you know, getting in cars with white dudes with tight t shirts on, and they would be like, I listen to rap music, see, press play, Linkin Park, Jay Z. And I was like, Jay, what did you do to me? Uh- I mean, because it, it it takes away. Because I I mean, how do I say this? I mean, it takes away the miss the it kind of chips away at Jay Z's artistic integrity. Yep. In a way, like I look at you know the most popular rapper now, Drake, and Drake has given up all pretenses of you know artistry. He's out there looking to to make a product, and he yep. you know sell that product. Uh, and he, I mean, he's very naked about his ambition. And I, I think that those, those two projects was Jay, like, like, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the best rapper anymore. I already told y'all that I'm the best rapper. I'm out here trying to move product. My, my, I'm trying to, I shouldn't say move product in that way. I'm out here trying to create product and expand my brand and make, make more money generate more money period yep yeah no i mean and and it's it's a great pick sean it's a great pick i remain solidly in like the i don't write my own rhymes camp of that's what i want to remove it's like if you're a boxing fan you know this when mayweather really became like the biggest deal so many fighters got knocked out trying to replicate his defensive style, they were like, I'm going to roll my head. And they got knocked out because they weren't Mayweather. That's what happened with the I don't write my own rhymes thing. You got a bunch of terrible albums with people who are like, I never write a rhyme. We're like, I know, dude. 
I know. We can tell. We can tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that wasn't that wasn't a great influence. I would say that's probably uh, a, a overall greater loss um, to uh, to the craft. Uh, not everybody. It should have been like, a, "Don't try this at home, kids." Like I don't write my rhymes, but I encourage everybody to to stick to those, you know, pads and pens or the sidekicks or whatever you know was being used to write rhymes at the time. It definitely, uh, yeah, it wasn't the, the healthiest influence. Yeah, because the way they interpreted it was, I don't even need to try, man. And there was just like ad libs. They just were doing ad libs, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything you want to take off the board? I mean, I I would probably take away like his maybe his his attitude towards women from the early Ooh, the early joints from the early. But I I but then Ooh. again, I I think you know what made what makes Jay Z such a compelling character. And I and I and I use it in terms of like I I do think there's a difference between Sean Carter, the man, and then Jay Z, the rapper, the or the character. I think what makes him such a compelling character is seeing how he's evolved, you know, through the decades. Yeah. And so I mean I guess we wouldn't like you know a song like Smile. Yeah. Wouldn't hit, hit as hard if we didn't have like a big pimp in Jay Z. Right. Uh, but it, nonetheless, I, I still think it, he looks back at it and like, I'm sure he said some things where like, you know, like I probably shouldn't have, I'm, I'm better than that rap or that specific lyric or attitude. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. There was a lot of that on volume one when I was re-listening to it. Like, My bitches and just like really being right. in the mode. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Jay, uh, Jay-Z is a very thoughtful, he's a thoughtful guy. And you, you can tell that, you know, he was playing, you know, that that particular aspect up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's kind of the only thing that I would kind of look at with a weary eye. Now, Sean, you know, uh, Jay-Z never, to my knowledge, had a having sex with a lady skit. Am I right? Did it, is that is that correct? You know, I think Jay was always a little too cool for that. I think that uh, just as Jay doesn't want to uh, name drop rappers that he's listening to on morning talk show uh, interviews, I don't think Jay wants to, like, <laughs> Jay will tell you that he's had sex, but Jay would never want you to even, like, have an inkling of how he has sex. You know, like, he, he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to put the camera or the microphone in there. He's way too private. Um, so no, I don't think that he's done that, uh, which quite honestly, I think he should be commended for. As we talked about on the uh, Big Pun Capital Punishment episode of the Making Elmatic podcast, he Big Pun had a skit on his album that is absolutely that. And it's not anything that we really needed to hear then. And it's certainly not anything that we want to hear now. I mean, the Big Pun one is really is really one for the ages because it's a story. Like it's a story. It's that he has sex with, with. All right. All right. S- settle women. down. Settle down. Yeah. Settle and they down. Get together and he unifies them. It's, it's an incredible journey. Uh, but no, he, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm with you. Yes. You cut it. And I, I agree with the cut. I'm not protecting what I promise, <laughs> but, uh, but no, there were lots of sex skits like Buster Rhymes. <laughs> the coming has a sex skit, the chronic, Ready to die. Dumb sex kit. Yeah. Yeah. 
So he never did a regrettable sex skit. Shout out to him on that. Regrettable sexism and misogyny, but no skits uh, immortalizing them. So yeah. (laughs) That that trend, I don't think it's coming back. I'm going to go ahead and call that. I think I think that fork in that one. I mean, it just seems quaint at this point when you know everybody has OnlyFans and uh, sex tapes and things like that. Like, you know, sex skits just seems totally tame by comparison. So, not sho- it's not shocking anymore. Nope, no, not at all. No. Not at all. So, yeah, I think that's it. The uh, yeah, great picks all, and I would say uh, transitioning to the recommendation corner real quick. Just to shout out some projects. Uh, okay. Open Mike Eagle is coming out with a new album. Mm. It's got an impossible name. It's like a tape called Component System with analog. Like, it doesn't even fit on the top of the band camp. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but it's uh, yeah, a tape called Component System with the auto reverse that's the name of the album. <laughs> but the first single is produced by diamond d legend and it's called i'll fight you and i have not been able to get it out of my it's beautiful mm. beautiful song um i think this comes out october 7th october 7th so um over my eagle have as the my 29th favorite mc of all time so wow. and, specificity uh, yeah. yeah, I've got a running list like 116 long at this point. All right, more. so that's pretty high then. Yeah, shout out to Mike Eagle, obviously uh, a friend of, of mine, and uh, you know, shout out to the Stony Island Audio uh, crew. Um, definitely honored to be a part of the uh, the we're the new No Limit Soldiers. You know, we're uh, we're we're, we're, we're going <laughs> to take over the rap industry. But yeah, I, I do I did enjoy that uh, the the um, Diamond D joint that uh, he just dropped. Oh. It should be a record label. It should be also a record label. You should just go for it. I'll, I'll talk Island to Rap. Mike. I'll, I'll talk yep. to Mike, see what he says. Tony Island Rap. And uh, so Seb Bash and Ty Ferris have an album coming out in a few days, two days, called Fluorescent Mud. Ty Ferris is Detroit. He's an incredible rapper. Seb yep. Bash. Yep. Do you remember K Seb Bash? Sounds familiar. He did a bunch of the beats on I Told Bessie. Yeah, yes. Okay, now now I do. Yes. A bunch of the most interesting ones. So I'm really excited for Ty Ferris to spit over some weird beats. I hope he gets to. I hope he does that. that that'll be fun. Um, the other one, I would say, uh, up against the wall, uh, semicolon, a degree of insanity. It's by Young Morpheus and Theravada. Um, my review on that is going up uh, tomorrow. Um, so it's already up if you're seeing this. So mm-hmm. fun to listen to, fun to review. Young Morpheus is from LA. Theravada is New York through and through. So it was kind of awesome to have you know these influences meet and and make this beautiful little project that's just really cool mm-hmm. yep. sean you listen to anything you bumping anything 
Um, what am I bumping right now? I always just pull out my uh, uh, my, my my phone here to see what's uh, what's on there. Um, I'm really into uh, the latest album by Pro. He is an MC from uh, Memphis. He's part of the Unapologetic uh, group there. Um, it's Pro P R E A U X X. He, uh, it's probably a few months old, but he dropped like two albums in, uh, in recently. And the latest one is called, uh, God, you're beautiful. He dropped it back in May. It's very melodic. It's got really cool, uh, sort of like experimental sound. And he's somebody that I definitely think more people should uh, be aware of. And then I also really like, uh, Lupe Fiasco's last album, the yeah. drill music in Zion. I know that that's not like super new right now, but it's kind of, and I'll say like I'm not the biggest Lupe Fiasco fan. That he's not somebody that like I instantly stand or anything. But it's a pretty special album. I really enjoy that. So those are the the two things that have been sort of uh, you know staying in rotation for me. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, we we covered the Lupe with Rich Jones from Chicago. That was awesome. Great. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and but yeah, I'm yeah I'm into it and it it's an album that kind of keeps moving up my list because some of the Lupe stuff has been so conceptually weighty that it's like not fun to re-listen to a lot. Um, this one is really fun to re-listen to. It's really loose. Yeah. There's, there's still a lot of depth, but it's a little bit easier to digest. So I think that it like strikes a good balance of what works for him and what people appreciate about him. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, what do you um, what do you what do you what do you listen to? Body weight. I mean, I mean, last last weekend I listened to the whole Dramatic by Game album, so I'm a little bit exhausted after that. I, but yeah, a little bit under two hours. Uh, listen, listen to all all thirty tracks. So that's incredible. <laughs> did did it ruin your day? Was it like, ugh? Uh, or- you okay no but i mean i i would be interested if you did like a making an illmatic of that Do you, sean have you heard it have, no have no i haven't and i probably won't but that's <laughs> you know shout out to him shout out to you for listening to that i i don't have time to listen to 30 tracks i just don't i i, I wouldn't listen to 30 tracks from my favorite mc let alone you know game there. so yeah and i mean one of those songs is 10 minutes and it's a and, uh, i'm good i'm good i'm good <laughs> more power yeah. to him yeah no he's into it it's um uh, yeah i was saying i think the last game album that was really game and really represented what what was best for his art was 1992 um mm. is a concept album about the riots uh in 92 uh, and it was really good. It was really good. I got to go uh, back and check that for sure. Yeah, though. I do too. Yeah, no, it was really awesome. And like, he's, he just, at this point, he kind of, he like doing, you know, it seems like PR stuff. It seems like ways yeah. to stay in the spotlight. It's, it's, it's not what he wants to do artistically anymore. It doesn't feel like, but whatever. Like the whole 10 minute diss song to, to M feels like, PR stunt to get a versus, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, right. I'm not feeling it. not going to happen. Not going to happen. No, you're not, you don't have that. So, uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate everybody 
Thank you, Sean, for coming on here. Absolutely. I love Stony Island Audio. Um, yeah, I love what you do over there. Um, yeah, keep hosting it up. Everybody watch Prey, the new Predator movie. La, 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 la.